Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. Joining me on today's show to talk about college basketball and to help you get ready for March Madness is Scott Shapiro. But first, I would like to welcome back everyone who checked out of sports betting for the month of February after the Super Bowl. I get it. Yeah, there was some regular season NBA and NHL. We had some big fights and some XFL action, but it was hardly can't miss. What is can't miss, however, is March Madness, and I want to help you make this one of the best months of your year. And don't worry, if you haven't watched a lick of college hoops, I've got you covered. I found that the key to success is having the right strategy going in and that time to form the strategy is right now. For the next two weeks, conference tournaments are going down. Take this opportunity to familiarize yourself with the top handful of teams in each conference. The way that I plan on doing this is by betting the conference tournament games on a game-by-game basis. It'll help you create a better relationship with these teams. But no, this does not mean that you need to concern yourself with the crappy teams who aren't making your tournament. Instead, just choose the ones who are on the bubble or who are going to make the tournament. From there, you'll at least be a little bit more familiar with these teams going into March Madness, which is a lot more than other people who you'll be competing against in the brackets will be able to say. From there, you can make more informed decisions when the brackets come out. And when you're betting on conference tournament action, I would love to hear from you. Hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Cressy, and let me know how you're getting down. Send it in, Jerome! From our friends at Covers Experts, here's an exclusive offer for the Sharp 600 listeners only. Get 25% off any Covers Experts product when you use promo code SHARP25. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Save a little money and follow the pros all the way to the bank. Again, that's Sharp 25 for 25% off any product. And joining me on today's show to talk college hoops is Scott Shapiro, betting analyst at Bet America. You can follow him on Twitter at ScottShap34. Scott, great to have you back on the show. Yeah, Rob, I missed you, man. We were doing it every other week for football, and I uh, hope all's well with you and your winner's gone well. I'm, I'm excited for the spring. It means the tournament, the Masters, the Kentucky Derby. Really excited. Amen to that. I completely agree, and it's a super exciting time of the year because small conference tournaments start today, major conference next week, and what I really want to do is have a conversation to sort of set some foundation and some mindset for things that we should be watching between now and when the brackets come out, because I know for a lot of people out there that this is when they start watching college basketball, the beginning of March. So it's important to see, all right, what are we looking at? Because once March madness comes out, there's just going to be an overload of information. So if you can just get a little bit of a head start in an awareness standpoint, and the thing that is really standing out to me right now is what I'll call the blue bloods or these 
teams and universities that we're used to seeing be successful, but the year hasn't always shaped up that way. And let's start with Michigan State. They had a huge win over Maryland. I unfortunately was on Maryland minus two and a half, which was over immediately when that game started. It's like 14 to two. And I'm like, oh, they'll make a run. And then it was like wire to wire. Michigan State had that. They've won three in a row after losing four of five. And they're rounding into form the best time possible. What I like about Michigan State traditionally every single year, Tom Izzo is a coach, so you know you've got someone who can make a deep run. And what really stands out to me about Michigan State, or aside from just their recent heat, they're ranked seventh in Ken Palm's rankings, and that's something that I really like to take a look at. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, Ken Palm is advanced statistics on teams. It really measures efficiency and predicts how they will match up against other opponents, uh, really looking at the efficiency side of things and less on the outcome side. So what are your thoughts on Michigan State? Yeah, Michigan State preseason favorites, pretty much preseason number one for everybody. Uh, Josh Langford, though, a key player to this team, a key veteran offensive guard, uh, got hurt. They thought he was going to be out till January, ended up he was out for the year. Um, they're finally putting it all together. They kind of seem like an overhyped team. You mentioned Ken Palm. They're one of just a few teams that are in the top 15 in both offensive efficiency and defensive adjusted efficiency, so that's the positive. And the best thing about them, other than the Tom Izzo factor, which you mentioned, is the dynamic duo of, of Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, both who went to the Final Four last year. And if you watch that Maryland game, those two guys really work well together. They they're not gonna uh, they're not gonna fall under for the pressure. It seemed like Maryland was playing overly excited for that game, playing too fast. That's not gonna happen with Winston and Tillman. For Michigan State to make a run to the Final Four, win it all, they're gonna need Rocket Watts and Aaron Henry though to be key contributors. Uh, Watts is a freshman. He defends very well. He defended Anthony Callen and Maryland that game. Aaron Henry, a sophomore, can kind of just kind of a winner, can score, can play good defense. But certainly at this point of the season, Michigan State playing almost as good as anyone over the last week or so. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that continue. And Michigan State is a team that I will be considering putting some futures action on before conference tournaments, as in like in the next few days, depending on where their odds are to see what's cooking there. All right, so the next one, let's look at Duke. Duke wins versus NC State, but they had lost three of five losses to NC State, Wake Forest, UVA, all on the road. All teams were unranked at the time. Uh, they dropped to 12th in the rankings, but... They were still fifth in Ken Palm. So for me, I'm looking at this and it's like, wow, Duke is still an elite upper echelon team. And do you think that they are good enough to win it all? Because we are used to seeing uh, some big time names from Duke, from the, the Zions of the world. And it's every year. It's like they've got these insanely good freshmen. But Duke right now, they're having inconsistency with the starting lineup. You're not sure what to trust in terms of what is the lineup going to be, who's going to be there. So it's sort of conflicting where they're losing three of five, but the Kempom rankings still say that they're a really, really good team. It's very weird. I've been wondering for weeks why Duke uh, maps out so well on Ken Palm. They're fifth overall, and they're in the top one of a three teams in the top 11 in both adjusted offensive and adjusted defensive efficiency. They don't pass the eye test to me this year, Rob. One thing I'm concerned about is their lack of grit. They've gone on the road to play three rivals that they have so much more talent and are significantly better than. They, they didn't even show up against NC State. 
North Carolina is tremendously down this year. They needed a miracle to win that game. And when I say a miracle, go back and watch the end of that one. A miracle. And they got beaten double overtime by Wake Forest, who is not good at all this year. If you're looking for positives, they obviously have Coach K, who's been there before. And they have another one of these strong duos, Trey Jones, who was a part of the team last year, a point guard. And Vernon Carey, an unstoppable big man. But I'm not buying Duke this year, Rob. I'm going to be fading them in, in pools. And uh, look, I think they could get beat in the second round if they're a three seed, maybe a six seed could beat them, even 11 seed. So I'm not I'm not on the Duke train this year. So Duke is plus 200 to win the ACC tournament. Do you like that at all? Because if they were to win the ACC tournament, would they be higher than a three seed? Would they be looking at more like a two? They could. The problem with fading them in that tournament is I think Florida State and Louisville are better teams. But remember, that, that tournament's in Greensboro, North Carolina. So they have a pretty much of a home court advantage there. So I could see them pulling it out and people jumping on the Duke train. And as someone that wants to fade them in the NCAA tournament, wouldn't be the worst thing, but I definitely think Florida state and Louisville are better teams than them. And Virginia just beat them last Saturday. So not on Duke. I can understand trying to fade them in the ACC, but I'm looking forward to doing it when the stakes get even bigger. Scott, I love how you read my mind because that's a perfect segue to Virginia. Let's talk about them because they just beat Duke. They won six in a row. This year they've got wins over Florida State Duke in a then-ranked number seven North Carolina, rounding into form just in the nick of time. But here's the problem. They are ranked 45th in the Ken Palm rankings. So I'm curious, are they undervalued or overvalued? I mean, that I they're going to have a hard time making it a run because their offense is just anemic. They're 221st in adjusted offensive efficiency. They lost Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, and DeAndre Hunter, all NBA players uh, from last year's championship team, and it's just killed their offense. They're second in defense. They're still elite. And Tony Bennett, one of the best coaches in the game, you mentioned they're playing some of their best ball now, but they've been on the bubble most of the winter, so – Their best ball has just gotten them into the field at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if they sprung an upset in the tournament. If they can get by that first round game, I wouldn't necessarily want to play them in the second round, but I can't see them going any further than that. And uh, yeah, not a team that I'm too interested in because when you can't score, you're always going to keep the other team in it. And that's the case with Virginia Rob. It's hard because you see we're always trying to create these narratives in terms of how things can happen. And traditionally, when it comes time for March Madness, I love experience. I like head coaches who have been there. So you know that there's an element of grit to Virginia, albeit they're rarely sexy. But you go and put them up against some team that a lot of people may not know much about. And you're like, oh, Virginia, I could see them making a little bit of a run. Yeah, their name brand for if you're if you're talking about especially office type pools where a lot of the people, as you mentioned, just jump on, start calling college basketball right about now, maybe read the clippings, maybe watch some of the big games. You're not going to get the the people fading Virginia as much as you would in maybe an advanced pool of people that have followed it all year because Virginia is that name brand. They won it last year. They've been there. Yes, people do think of them losing in the 116 game and hold it against them a little bit still. But overall, if you get them against the mid-major, I think most people will favor Virginia in a pool situation. You know, it's crazy. I don't hold the loss to the 16 seed against them whatsoever. It is what it is. Duke's lost plenty of times as a high-seeded team. I get it. They lost as the one seed. 
but they went and won the national championship the following year. So it shows the polar extremes that can happen. And it is what it is. I'm not going to put too much stock into it. So let's move on to Kentucky, a team that I successfully live bet this week in their matchup. And it's actually a quite simple formula for me. I want to say that going into the matchup versus Auburn, they were a seven point favorite. So going into it, I'm always like, all right, this is the baseline. Can we find an instance in which the favorite is down in the game where you can get a little bit of extra love? And they were, they were down. I got them at four and a half and they ended up winning at seven. So I got a little bit of an experience on the Kentucky side of things. So right now they're ranked sixth in the nation. They've won eight in a row. They locked up the SEC regular season title when they beat Auburn. And the thing is though, Ken Palm ranking, 26th so once again little red flag we've got the brand name John Calipari high ranking win the SEC everything's all in Kentucky but then the Kempom rankings which is sort of unemotional about all of this is not giving us the same script well I think I could uh, pretty much explain why they're on Ken Palm they're ranked so low they have two bad losses and one of them really bad they lost to the 294th team in the nation the third game of the season in Evansville and it's just crushed them in the analytics they're kind of the opposite of Duke to me though they passed the eye test despite not being ranked highly in the analytics I got in on Kentucky about a month ago at 27 to 1 to win the title so feeling pretty good about that and I like them because I like their three guards, especially Emmanuel Quickly, who has uh, really taken over, likely to be the SEC player of the year. And then I like their big man, Nick Richards. Not in love with Calipari when he goes up in these in these Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four games uh, against some of the coaches he faces. But obviously he's been there. He can win those games. The one question I have, Rob, is their lack of depth, especially if Nick Richards gets in foul trouble. They really don't have a lot of depth on the inside. But I'm real bullish on Kentucky. Uh, one of the teams that I'm definitely considering, especially in a bigger pool where people might lead on one of the two of the one seeds that we'll talk about, I would consider picking them like a Michigan State and even more so to win it all. If you were to rank in terms of what you like, Kentucky, Michigan State, and Duke, how would you rank those three teams? I am. I was definitely Kentucky, Michigan State, Duke pretty clearly until the last week where now I think Kentucky and Michigan State Maybe the second and third likeliest winners. Now there's a, you know, that's a very mixed. There's a very big uh, second tier there. I think there's one team that's the most likely winner. But uh, I'm going to lean still on Kentucky. I like the price I got them at. Uh, Michigan State being third and Duke a distant, distant uh, behind those teams. And the reason I wanted to talk about these teams that are the blue bloods that we're used to hearing is traditionally I've found the success in March Madness pools is less about picking the sleeper teams and more about the teams later on the elite eight, the final four, the championship game type teams. We want to build this narrative because if you chose Duke to win it all, as opposed to losing in this week 16, there's a big variance there in terms of the output of what you can win in your pool. So let's transition now to the top of who's supposed to be the one seeds right now. We've got Kansas, Gonzaga, Baylor, and San Diego State. And this year seems 
a little bit non-traditional where I don't feel like there is a superpower in the years past. These Duke teams, these Kentucky teams, it was like steamrolling or the number one seeds are so clear. And it almost seems like it's Kansas. And then you've got Gonzaga, Baylor, San Diego State, who are a tier below them. Would you say that is correct, that Kansas is head and shoulders? Maybe not head and shoulders, but they are a tier difference above the other three teams. I definitely do. I don't think by any stretch Kansas is unbeatable. Like I didn't think any of those Kentucky and Duke teams were either, and they were far more talented. But they certainly are in a tier of their own. They've won 14 in a row after having uh, a lot of uh, off-the-court issues. They had the fight against Kansas State. I really didn't think it felt like their year, but they've really been great of late. They're the number one team when it comes to adjusted defense. They've got the the combo. They've got the great guard at Dotson. they got Azabuki on the inside. They certainly seem like the by far the favorite to win this. Then you talk about the other three teams, Rob. They're, they're, you can poke holes in those teams very easily. Gonzaga because of their defense, San Diego State and Baylor because of their offense. And, in fact, I would put Michigan State and Kentucky at least as high up as those, uh, if not higher. It'll be interesting to see how the last couple of weeks play out and how that turns things into from a, a pool perspective if the Blue Bloods end up getting the, the, uh, the nod in a lot of these brackets is two and three seeds where the public knows their name or whether people will lean a little bit more on the one seeds that you mentioned. I think one of the biggest challenges in Gonzaga is here's Gonzaga with the exact same thing they do every single year, roll through their conference, come in with one or two losses. And you're like, Oh, Gonzaga's really good again. And it's like, I've seen this narrative so many different times. What makes this year's team any different than anything else? Well, here's the thing. I think, Gonzaga has uh, last year they lost to Texas Tech in the lead eight. They made that one run and almost won in the final uh, one uh, one year against North Carolina. I don't think this is one of the best Gonzaga teams. I think last year's team was far superior, but what they have going for them is what you kind of talked about. There's no real monster outside of perhaps Kansas. So maybe it's just one of those situations where it works out and it's their year. And don't be fooled. Their offense is elite. It's their defense that I worry about. What about Baylor? For those casual college basketball fans, seeing Baylor up there in the top four, you're like, wait a second, is this real? It's a team that we're not used to seeing this high. Uh, They've got two losses in their last four games, TCU and Kansas. They're a perimeter team that needs shots to fall, which can be good, except for when they don't happen, which is what happened against TCU. Yeah, that's true. But they do hit the offensive boards extremely hard, which can benefit them as well. But like you mentioned, a little, little, little bit live and die by the three. However, their defense is exceptional. Scott Drew's teams always play great defense. They may have peaked a little too early. Monday night, which is a, a day after, uh, before we're recording this, they had played an overtime game against Texas Tech. You mentioned the TCU game. They got beat by Kansas. But they've got a lot of fight this team. I'm not ready to say I'm outright fading them. But I wouldn't be upset if a Kentucky or Michigan State ends up in their bracket because I do think that those two teams could probably handle Baylor in what would be a tough game. All right, and then the last thing I'm going to talk about with you is some of these smaller schools to watch out for. So the smaller conference tournaments are starting right now, and aligned with this is also, all right, Gonzaga. They're probably the best mid-major that is out there. But then also looking at some other teams of note, uh, ETSU is supposed to be really good in the Southern Conference. But there's one team that stands out to me, BYU, who is also in the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga. 
They are ranked 15th in the nation, 11th in Ken Palm, and they're a good three-point shooting team. They're a team that we traditionally wouldn't know much about. We're going to sleep on. What are your? Th- Do you have any thoughts on BYU? One of the best offensive teams in the country. They don't turn the ball over. They shoot it extremely well. In fact, they shoot it from three-point land at 42%. Uh, their effective field goal percentage stat on Ken Palm is second in the country. They just beat Gonzaga on fe- February 22nd in Provo, 91-78. You worry whether their defense is good enough or, like you mentioned, with a Baylor team, whether the offense, if it has an off game, can they play a grinder? You know they're going to have to play one to get to the Final Four. They're not just going to roll in four straight games. But uh, their offense certainly gives them a shot every day. And uh, Child, Yo- Yo- uh, Yoeli Child has been uh, a huge player for them, a 6'8 senior, along with TJ Hawes, who it seems like has been there forever as a 6'4 senior guard that can really shoot it. So here's a little insight into sort of what I'm doing around the smaller schools. I actually just Googled mid-major rankings. So I want to see the rankings of the teams that are the non mid-major or the non-big teams because I want to get some name recognition right now going into these conference tournaments um, looking to see a team like Yale coming out of the Ivy League are they good now before the tournament and then do they win it if you can get this sort of awareness now so that if you see one of these teams as a 12 seed or as a 13 seed you're not coming out of nowhere just being like oh I'm just throwing a shot in the dark you can at least start tracking some of these teams if they don't end up winning the conference tournaments that's fine but it's more on if they do if they can keep this momentum going definitely you mentioned Yale they gave LSU who was much better last year than they were this year all they could handle in the first round they played Penn State and Happy Valley this year and only lost by two they're solid on both ends another team especially if you're looking at Ken Palm but in general that ranks out very high amongst the mid to small type schools is Northern Iowa Probably has to win the Missouri Valley to get in. They don't have – they have one good, real good win. They beat Colorado by three in Boulder. But they're the second-best three-point shooting team. And we talk about pulling the upsets. There's two real ways to do it. Making a lot of threes or slowing the game down and limiting possessions. And Northern Iowa does both of those things. So I think they're the kind of team that's pretty much capable on the right day of beating anyone in the country. Was it Northern Iowa that beat Kansas back in the day? And if so, in the tournament. And, oh, I remember the guy's name now. Uh, it was like Ali Farouk, um, something a lot, Farouk Manesh or something along those lines. I completely just butchered what his name was. But I do remember because I believe Kansas was the one seed and they it was a one, whatever, an eight, nine matchup must have been the next one then. I think Northern Iowa, that game doesn't ring a bell, but Northern Iowa is a program that's had success, not so much recently as much as they used to, but they've had some good years. The name doesn't ring a bell, which I'm surprised by, but I know Kansas has lost a number of games that they were expected to win, and I think you're right about Northern Iowa. They certainly have a good program right now with Ben Jacobson as their head coach. I'm seeing it right here. Number nine, Northern Iowa, led by Ali Farouk Manesh. You nailed it. Confidence. I love it. Yeah, it, it, it helped me being able to see Farouk Manesh to be able to pronounce that. Um, you got it. You got it. But this is what I love about March Madness is players like him, like Harold the Show Arsenault from Weber State. This is where legends are made, and this is what I just love about this time of year. So, Scott, do you have any final thoughts or any bets or teams that you want to leave us with? 
No, I mean, I think the only team that you mentioned that I have interest in in, in, in moving far into the brackets would be Seton Hall. They've got a uh, – they play really good defense. They've been battle-tested in the Big East, played a lot of good games, and they have one of the best players in the country. So amongst the teams you talked about, Seton Hall and Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State are probably uh, four of the teams that I would consider at least a couple weeks out uh, to win it all. Speaking of Seton Hall, shout-out to one of my favorite players of all time, Terry DeHair. Terry DeHair, that's it. He was a uh, Jersey, well, I'm a Jersey kid, so he. I remember him uh, from high school reading about him and uh, Terry DeHair, yep. And then you had uh, Danny Hurley was at Seton Hall. Same years? I'm trying to remember if he was there with Danny Hurley. I don't know, sorry. I don't know, but nonetheless, Scott, I love jamming with you. Where can everybody connect with you? Yeah, you can follow me at Twitter, on Twitter at ScottShap34. All my work is posted on there. I also have the Who Do You Like podcast, which you've been on before, Rob. Uh, that comes out mostly on Thursday mornings. You can find that where all the podcasts are found. And I want to hear from you. One, how do you rank them? Kentucky, Michigan State, Duke. Two, do you have any futures action before March Madness goes down? You can hit me up on Twitter at Rob Cressy and make sure to use hashtag sharp 600 and be part of our community. Also make sure to tag at covers. And we love when you give us ratings and reviews on iTunes, because when you do, we will show you some love. So show us some love before March madness. And remember, if you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. Be disciplined with your money management. The book of the devil hit you with the rap level of 10. The one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump with your rope. Looking like the way the sound pumps. Pumping in your black trunk. And let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops.